Well, would you look at this? It's another AEW Dynamite review, which means that this is a Thursday because that's what we do here on Thursdays on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast app, which carries the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper. Hello, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. So we're going to be talking about AEW Dynamite. Today is January 26, 2023. And you know what to do at this point. I'm still going to remind you. I'm told it's a good practice to remind that, like never assume Never assume that people are just going to like a video and subscribe to your channel out of habit. I'd like you to. If you want, that'd be great. Helps grow everything. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, five-star ratings on Spotify, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, cheers to you. This stuff is fantastic. We're going to jump into this uh, to this dynamite fairly quickly today. I don't like, you know, there's there's various things that we can touch about. You know, usually I like to I like to start off the review with discussing some of the meta around, you know, dynamite and what's going on in AEW. I don't think there's outside of the outside of very tiresome boring discourse. There isn't much. There's a couple of things, but I'm going to touch on it as we go along here. But we're, we might as well just go ahead and talk about this dynamite. January 25th, Lexington, Kentucky at the Rupp Arena. Uh, I will say straight off the, straight out the gate, I thought this was the, um, I thought this was the lowest energy crowd for a dynamite we've seen in weeks at this point. In a long time, um, and I don't know if it if if I'm I'm having trouble pinning down if it's because the level of the crowd its energy was so low for the show, or if it's just the the wrestlers like I don't but I felt like Dynamite was a very low energy show. I thought that everything I thought that everything that happened on it was was fine for the most part good solid work but there was you know there was nothing that blew my mind there was none of these signature big matches uh like it, it you know it wasn't an all-time like but overall like here's the thing is like this was a fine pro wrestling show don't get me wrong and with a you know a very notable main event of course we'll get to that but is our when I say we're spoiled week after week, is this like is this a a a a consequence of me being spoiled week in week out, where I'm getting like these you know these classic matches, these you know potential match of the year candidates, these four star matches week in week out, two three of them a night, and then I get to Dynamite where I'm like, well, you know, this is all it's all all right, but I'm missing that. Is that me? You know, being spoiled, acting like a brat and going, well, Dynamite didn't quite deliver like it usually does. And yet, this was still a better wrestling show than a lot of stuff you see on a weekly basis from a lot of people in a lot of promotions. Isn't that weird? But, you know, I think it has to be said. This, you know, it didn't feel it didn't feel as uh, urgent it didn't feel as important. It didn't feel. It didn't have that that bubbling overflow of energy that a usual dynamite has. Is it because of the crowd? Is it because of you know the talent? Is it a combination of both? I like. I can't say for sure. Now, I feel like there's a couple of matches that happen. I think there's a couple of uh, you know. Look, we're, we're, let's get into it. Right. We'll just get into it piece by piece. Starting off with the Jericho Appreciation Society defeating Action Andretti and Ricky Ricky Starks, and when I Ricky Starks, and when I say the Jericho Appreciation Society, I'm specifically talking about Le Sex Gods, which should be Le Sex Gods, not Le Sex Gods, right? You know, look, point a gun at my head, you know, and and say stop talking about French conjugation. In English environments, Warren, you gave us a class on how to pronounce on 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 the accents 
regarding Mercedes Monet a couple of weeks ago. Now you're going to tell us it's not le sex gods. It's le sex gods. Yes, because yeah, le is plural. L-E-S. Sex gods. And they put an S at the end. So it's not just one. There's two. So it should be le sex gods. L-E-S and not L-E, which is singular. Although it is funny. <laughs> like they get they get points for the comedy aspect of it. Of You know, but. It's it's still not proper grammar. I just want to point that out to anyone who's thinking that, you know, oh, this is how it's done in French. No, it's not. The, the, like, this is not how it's done in French. Not spelled correctly. Match starts off with a stalemate between uh, Sammy Guevara and Action Andretti. Uh, Andretti hits a springboard dropkick. Guevara fights back with a dropkick drop of his own. Dive by Andretti on... Daniel Garcia, who's on the floor accompanying Le Sex Gods. But uh, immediately, Sammy Guevara follows up with a corkscrew dive to the floor. That was a nice little sequence right there. Top rope Rana by Andretti. Uh, top rope Rana by Sammy Guevara on Action Andretti. But Andretti lands on his feet. Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho go off on each other. Starks does the rope walk thing. And Sammy Guevara arrives out of nowhere with a cutter which was a fantastic visual. Ricky Starks is your baby face in peril at this moment. Andretti, of course, gets the hot tag. Tornado DDT by Ricky Starks, a spear as well on Chris Jericho, followed by a very close pinfall. The Codebreaker attempt is uh, countered into a Liger bomb by Starks. Andretti takes down uh, Guevara, but uh, Chris Jericho interferes. Andretti lands a Canadian neckbreaker, which is something you don't see every day. And But while the ref is distracted, Dan Garcia comes in, swings the bat at Andretti. Guevara lands the go to hell for the win. Perfectly competent match here. There's nothing really to get upset about. But, you know, like this is the thing. You know, what what is one of the most constant things I say when I do these reviews, and even before when I was, you know, when I was breaking down Dynamite on the Mr. Warren Hayes show itself, what was one of the most consistent things I would always say? Is that one of the great things about Dynamite is that it starts off with a hot a hot match. Now, the match had been well built to this point. You know, just a couple of weeks of build up to this, uh, to this match here. It was perfect. Uh, well done. But, like I said, I don't know if it's because the crowd felt a little out of, out of it, you know. Andretti is still finding his feet and, uh, you know, the audience are waiting for, you know, uh, when you're pushing a guy like Andretti, 25 years old, like just completely out of the gate, uh, you're, 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 you're feeding, you're, you're giving him, you know, career wins over the likes of Chris Jericho. Well, people are like, okay, well, what's next? Like, give us a reason to continue cheering for this guy. We, we went nuts for this for the jobber, which is still one of, you know, it, it, it will always be one of the all-time great dynamite moments. When that match, where Action Andretti, where people were chanting at him, let's go jobber. When no one believed he would pull off a win and actually ended up doing it, right? It'll be an all-timer. Like, he's, his, uh, he, he's very much... Uh, a part of the uh, of the lore of the history of, of AEW moving forward. Now the question here is, is it, you know, I saw you know I I've, I saw people discuss it like, oh well, he's not over, is he? He comes out of nowhere. He's a couple of years in the business. He's twenty five years old, and clearly, Tony Khan is trying something out here. So we're going to see how 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 the follow up is going. We're still. Are we even a month removed? Just about a month removed from the Jericho match? And what are people expecting? You know, he has weaknesses. He's not a perfect total package. And we're going to see what happens. And he's in this cycle. He's in this cycle of booking. And eventually Tony Khan is going to cycle him out. And he'll bring him back. Because these... This is one of the things that Tony does. He cycles people. He cycles people out, brings them back for a while, and 
and that's what he has to do. He's got a two-hour show on Tuesdays with a huge roster. Now you could say, well, Warren, that's part of the problem. And I'm not an entirely, I'm not entirely in disagreement with you. But the thing is, is that you can't put everyone on TV and you just can't. Now, Andretti right now is writing something. They're giving him a, they're giving him a little push. They want to see how far they can push the kid. How, how good can he compete here? And I think the consensus is pretty clear. He, he's not a finished product uh, by any chance, you know, by, 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 by any, um, by, by any thought process. He's not a, he's not a, a, a finished package at all. A, a complete product is what I'm trying to say. Thank you, Warren. You're welcome, Warren. But we're giving, we're, we're, we're trying stuff out going to get that stuff out but then of course the other part of the discourse here is that well why isn't it another guy getting it why isn't it sean dean why isn't it you know fucking buddy murphy i don't know like <laughs> um i like i don't have a good answer for you i i don't have a good answer for you other than tony's trying something out you're not going to sit here and tell me that the action Andretti pin over Chris Jericho wasn't one of the most exciting things and unexpected things he hadn't seen in a while. Now, the follow-up is always important. Don't get me wrong. And I don't know what kind of follow-up we're going to have here. Like, Sean Walkman didn't go on a tear after defeating uh, after defeating Razor Ramon. Did, was not suddenly elevated to um, championship level status the week after continued working with that i don't know what the expectation people have here other than their favorites not getting a push and then this kid getting a getting a push getting some time on tv with chris jericho why isn't it uh, will hobbs on it well this is one of the things that you know when I, you know when I, um, you know the other broken record topic that I have here on these reviews, and this goes for every wrestling show, and it even goes for WWE. And and and, and don't get me wrong, I I'm, I'm I have been and continue to be guilty of this as well, and I'm trying to curtail it because I think it doesn't add anything. But it's always a question of we never focus on this, but because I find it's especially true with Dynamite. We will complain about what we don't see. This will always be talking points. As opposed to the great stuff that we do see. Where's Will Hobbs? Where's Miro? Where's Wardlow? Where are all the guys? Where are all these guys? Why aren't they on my TV? And yet, week in and week out, as I keep saying, this is the most solid weekly wrestling program you will get You'll get excellent matches, but then when we're done, it's like, God damn it, still no Miro. No, what, dropping the ball with uh, Keith Lee. And I, I would, and I don't have a problem if you are a Will Hobbs fan and you're like, I want to see this guy because I am a fan. That I can get behind. That I can understand. But trying to intellectualize why X wrestler should be getting a push rather than Y wrestler who is currently on TV and then try to and then try to break it down in some fashion that you're like, this is my inescapable logic that makes complete sense as to why this person should be pushed instead of this guy. That gets grating and annoying. And it's discourse that I can't get behind. You might as well just come out and say, look, as a fan, I wish there was more of X and Y. Like, I wish there was more, uh, th I wish there was more uh, 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 Beaver Bros, Beaver Boys, you know, Silver and Reynolds on TV because they're a great tag team. I wish there were more. Am I sitting here every week telling y'all that uh, this is a great mistake? No, because we've got so much 
other stuff to talk about. It'd be great if they were on television, but they haven't been fired. They haven't been tossed aside. They, you know, they're not as, they're still there. I just wish there was more of them. Just like I wish when Stu Grayson was still there, I wish there had been, there had been more, uh, more SSB matches, more, you know, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, numero dos, and numero, uh, Evil Uno, numero dos, player dos. The SSB. That's what I would have liked. I didn't get it. it. Sucks. And I still think it's a bad opportunity. I think I still think it's a missed opportunity. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, then afterwards, I'm looking at everything happening. I'm like, Dynamite's great. Would Miro be a welcome addition to the weekly TV? I guess so, absolutely. Like his promos week after week were fantastic when he was doing the Redeemer stuff. I think he still has more to offer in the ring. Am I, am I kicking rocks and shitting on Dynamite for not having Miro? No, I think Dynamite is doing fine without him. Would he do better with him on? Maybe, I don't know, we'd have to see. But right now, I have no complaints. See, the Action Andretti stuff, they want, and here's the other thing. It's not as if Action Andretti is like in a world, world title picture where he's, you know, he's in this upper echelon, uh, 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 you know, he's in the top lane of, of, of AEW people. And they're trying to, you know, convince us that he's a main eventer. He's a mid-card guy. That's how he was presented, even a lower mid-card guy. And this is still where he's at. He lost to Sammy. He got pinned by Sammy. That should tell you right there. It's not Ricky Starks who took the pin here. This is a vehicle to continue putting Ricky Starks on TV in... In prominent, uh, um, in prominent matches, because Ricky Starks has all the tools to be a world champion in this company, and Tony sees it. So he's there's no mistake that he's in a feud with Chris Jericho. This is not about Action Andretti and Chris, Jer and this is why we're all missing the point again. It's about Ricky Starks. This whole match was about Ricky Starks again. Oh starting the show when people are still watching the lead-in which was the Big Bang Theory or whatever the fuck it is now and they tune in to see Chris Jericho and this other guy this other this other fantastic guy Ricky Starks that's what they want you to see and it all makes sense and it's okay and you know what the the Action Andretti will probably, you know, meander in the mid-card for a bit. Maybe even in the lower mid-card. He might, and I absolutely predict that after this pay-per-view cycle is done, he's going to be cycled off of TV for a while. I, I'm convinced. And this thing that everyone has to be on TV every week, the people who are being pushed, absolutely. And they should be cycled out. There should be moments where it's like, let's just take them off TV for a while to let the audience miss them. To let people know, oh, we haven't seen, look, we haven't seen Kenny Omega in a couple of weeks. What's going to happen when he pops back in? We're going to go nuts because like, oh, yeah, Kenny's back. And it's not like back in the sense, oh, he's been gone for so long. It's just like he's been away for a couple of weeks and now we see him back. Happy to see him again. Darby Allen's on TV every week. Yeah, Darby Allen's getting pushed. And they're rehabilitating the TNT title. Isn't that something we wanted? Isn't that something? It didn't happen with Wardlow. I don't know what to tell you. It didn't happen with Wardlow. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm apologizing. It has nothing to do with me. I didn't have anything to do with that. The big rehabilitation of the TNT title is happening with Darby. I don't know what to tell you. He's back out here. He's doing the open challenge gimmick. He's taking on all comers and it's working. I even find Darby has a little more depth to what he's doing. This is all connecting to me. And this is all stuff that people wanted. I don't understand. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't understand. And frankly, all I can do is focus on what I like and focus on the right things. And hopefully I can, hopefully I can guide y'all along with me. Anyway, the match was all right. It was a good. It was a good way to start, if only because of the the people that were involved. That lead that led us into the second match of the evening, which was the AEW TNT title match, where Darby Allen successfully retained his title against Buddy Matthews from the House of Black. I will say that this was this this was a little strange to me. I will say this. All right, this is not the the path that I was expecting the House of Black to be on at this conjuncture. I would have thought that the House of Black, as opposed to being in this feud where Eddie might be in the House of Black and or, or T, like, you know, this... I would have thought that the House of Black would have been out there every couple of weeks Kicking the ass out of a trios team, uh, out of the you know I you know have another match with the uh, um, with the the Nightmare Factory guys, have another match against uh, have a match with uh, you know best friends. Again, you know, I thought that we'd be more down this path, setting up some challengers for the elite which still might be the case, but I thought we'd be already down this path is what I'm saying. There's still time. Like if they want to do, like if they, if Tony wants to do the elite versus the House of Black for Revolution, that's cool. We've got six weeks left. Plenty of time. You know, again, I've got people going, well, there's only six weeks left of the pay-per-view. There's six weeks left to the pay-per-view. Like, I feel like whenever there's a pay-per-view coming up, it's like nobody thinks there's enough time. I had a discussion like a week ago, about two weeks ago about the Royal Rumble. It's like, you know, with someone and they were like, well, there's only four weeks left before the Royal Rumble. There's a full month. And they're building stuff for the Royal Rumble. There's four weeks. You can tell. It's fine. Again, it's things that I I don't I don't know, I I don't know where this comes from. It's like there's only four weeks. There's only six, there's only six weeks. There's a full month and a half, right? Six weeks is a month and a half, right? It's four weeks plus two. A month is usually four weeks, correct? You can see it that way. There's a month and a half left to build for revolution. What are we even talking about? So I don't know about having Buddy Matthews in this in a, in, in a losing situation here. I don't know about it, but it happened. Buddy Matthews goes right after Darby Allen, straight out straight out the gate, uh, throws him around a bit. Matthews catches him off of a dive, drops uh, Darby Allen a couple of times on the side of the ring outside, and swings him into the barricades, a la Samoa Joe. He lands a great meteora on the apron. Flipping stunner by Darby Allen, coffin drop to the floor. The House of Black appear. Ortiz attack comes in to attack them with a kendo stick. And Sting, who's there, of course, with Darby Allen, with a bat. Nobody Kingston, though. Poison Rana by Darby and a crucifix bomb. Stomp by Buddy Matthews. Superplex is reversed into an avalanche scorpion deathlock. Followed by the coffin drop for the win by Darby Allen. I thought this match was okay. I like I, I again the guys worked hard, but it it lacked something. It just it didn't quite hit that next gear. If if you want, if you may, if if, if I can be so bold, it was just it was just missing something. But you know, well worked. It was a fine. It was a it was a fine wrestling match. Don't get me wrong. 
after the match, uh, Tony Schiavone comes to the ring to chat with Darby, but they're interrupted by Samoa Joe, who shows up on the on the Tony Tron, and he tells Darby like he keeps he keeps doing these callbacks to Wendy, right? I love that man, and he says he's coming for him again, and we're gonna have the rematch. We're gonna have we're gonna have the rubber match between the two. I'm I'm absolutely okay with this. I'm absolutely okay with that. Samoa Joe and Darby going at it again. That's fine. Let's do that. Let's wrap up this series. I love it. I like this idea of rubber matches of these, you know, this these trilogies. We're getting that with Hangman and Mox too. Anyway, fine little match. We get a video package for Adam Cole returning. He says he's thankful and excited to come back, but he doesn't know he doesn't know when he's going to be coming back as he stares at a banner for the Revolution pay-per-view. So he just doesn't know when he's coming back, right? And we had uh, Jungle Hook defeating Ethan Page and Matt Hardy. I got to say, I got a kick out of how this match started. They come out to the Hardy Boys music. But then Ethan Page has a microphone. He gets annoyed and he tells production to shut it down. And play mine instead. Because <laughs> it did get a good pop from the crowd. The Hardy Boys theme does get good reactions. People go, oh. And I know that the, um, you know, they're teasing on BTE. They're teasing that, you know, Matt Hardy is going to go back to his broken character. That this situation here with Stokely and Ethan Page and all that, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's breaking him down. It's getting at him mentally. And, you know, the, the, he did a full-on broken Matt thing recently on BT. I probably wasn't this week, it was last week. So I know we're heading into, you know, there's there's that that's been teasing. I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know if I want, you know, J- uh, Matt Hardy uh I don't know if you if you want Matt Hardy doing the broken gimmick again. I like it didn't work really that well when he came back. A lot of people will argue say but Warren Empty arenas. Maybe if there were people, it would have been different. Maybe. But, you know, my my second point to this and my most important point is I don't... I'm, I'm burnt out in regards to Matt Hardy on television, wrestling. Like, here's someone that I feel is taking up a spot. Like, I don't know what Matt Hardy brings to the table in 2023 that is all that compelling. Now... He's over with live crowds. Don't get me wrong. I've seen it twice with my own eyes. To to a lot of surprise, to be honest, like how big reactions he gets. But his work, like he, you know, Matt's broken legitimately, right? You know, it's not like a he's you know he's he's injured. It shows he's stiff. He's not as nimble. I I I don't know how much of a centerpiece I want him to be. In AEW, and I feel they're putting off. I, th- I feel they're putting on uh, too much effort in him for what he can provide. I don't think it's all that interesting. This is a guy that I feel is like that. Where I feel is like, yeah, there. You know, when people start talking about where's Miro, where's Wardlow, this is one where I'm like, yeah, you know what, yeah. But it, if it's a vehicle to help get. Stokely over, Ethan over. Okay, that's fine. But I just don't see it. I don't. I I don't see it. Anyway, the match here. Uh, Page tries to lend the ego's edge early on, uh, but um, uh, uh, but uh, on hook. But um, Jungle Boy dives in for the save. Jungle Boy Jack Perry the heels double team Perry and work him over. Hook gets the hot tag. This is the thing, right? Hook is the Robert Gibson. Ricky Morton's the is is, is uh, Jack Perry, and this is why this team is going to work. This is why this team is going to work. And I still look at the at the at these two young dudes, handsome gentlemen, 
I still see them in the ring and and I and it gives me Rock and Roll Express vibes. Like in another era, all you would hear are women screaming their ears off, right? Like you like you know, like you know, you'd hear that. Anyway, Hook gets the hot tag, T-bone suplex a plenty. Jack Perry gets caught in a side effect. Matt Hardy goes for a twist of fate, but Ethan Page wants in, right? And he's the boss. So he says, you have to tag me in because, you know, Matt's about to put this away, but Ethan Page is like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna end this match. He finally comes in, but he gets caught in a snare trap. Hook prevents Matt Hardy from tagging in. Page taps out. Another win for Hook and Jack Perry. Which, if you ask me, is becoming a very interesting tag team to face off against the acclaimed. Oh wait, the acclaimed had a segment with uh, with the, the the Gun Boys. It's the family therapy segment, and I have no time for this nonsense. They had a therapist and everything who did nothing, who contributed nothing. She's the worst ter- therapist of all time. All she all she did was emote. When the guys would say stuff. That's all she'd do. And I have no time for this. Like this, this, this is the kind of shit that I I I I I have no purpose for. This makes no sense. I don't like it. It ends with a challenge for the tag titles, which could have been settled any other way. I I and I'm gonna continue down this path because I find that everything that has to do with the acclaimed and the gun so far in this reignition of their feud I think it stinks let's just get this match out of the way and and I'm I'm I keep telling you guys gals non-binary pals I really believe this but uh Austin Gunn is WWE made? He's a guy that they want. That he's absolutely the kind of guy they want. Young, good-looking, built, can can talk, athletic, but not like overly crazy. You know, we're not. You know, it's not a. He's not a high spots guy. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped. Wouldn't be surprised in the in the slightest. Anyway, I, I've already talked enough about this segment. It's, you know, it was short. That that was something that went for it. Oh, but Warren, the line about you know, uh, you know, his mistakes. You know, there, there, his mis- Billy Gunn's mistakes is why they're sh- in the uh, whatever, whatever it was. What was the line? And he said about. You know, your failures as a father turned us into what we are today kind of thing. They were a reflection of your failures as what we, whatever. Such a good line. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It does. No. <laughs> Can't get me to care about it. Then we get Renee Paquette talking with Adam Page again this week. She says she wants him to clarify his very nebulous claims from last year, but he's from last week, excuse me, in regards to, you know, you know, uh, making do and whatnot, uh, rebuilding bridges or whatever, but he's still being very cagey. But he says, you know, you know what? Next week we're going to be in Dayton, Ohio. So he says, you know what? Uh, I might fight. Uh, I'd like to fight Box again next week. You know, like, all right. Well, well, you know, it seems to be all set. We're getting that. But Wheeler Yuta comes in, takes exception to this. He says he'll fight Hangman, and they're going to do it on Rampage. So there's a there's your first reason to watch Rampage this week. That's a that's a that's an attraction. That's a that's a fun little match that we've got set up here. There's another one that we'll talk about later. In the meantime, we have another match here. Brian Danielson defeated Brian Cage. It's all set up because of MJF, of course. It's all part of the uh, MJF thing. And, and, you know, the 
again, you know, like I've been seeing commentary, folks talking about this, and isn't this just, isn't this just, you know, MJF doing the labors of Jericho again? I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, and it is part of MJF's character to do this kind of nonsense, and not only that, MJF explicitly said it a few weeks ago when he was setting all this up. He said, you know, I have a tendency to have my opponents jump through hoops to get to me. Plus, he's the champion. These are all prerogatives he finds, he has. I don't know what the problem is. This all makes sense. It's good storytelling. It's, it's logical in the character. MJF, MJF. His biggest thing is that he's insecure and uh, he, he's insecure and comes off as a as a poser. And this is the whole thing with Brian Danielson since the start where Danielson's like, yeah, I'm going to fight you and I'm going to outclass you and I'm going to expose you. And MJF's getting nervous because he thought he would be able to just knock him out. But no, okay, this Danielson kid is for real and, uh, and I don't want to fight Brian Danielson. This guy's nuts. This guy's insane. He's violent. He can do anything. Why, why would I fight Danielson? And he's doing everything he can to, to get him injured. This was the part. This like, yes, it is like, it is like the labors of Jericho because it's MJF and that's his routine. Brian Cage uses his power, of course. Danielson goes uh, to the knees to try and take him down. Round kicks by Danielson, but Cage just shrugs them off. No sells them com completely. We get an early LaBelle lock by Danielson in a dive. He goes up top and lands a flying crossbody to the floor. You have more kicks. Uh, 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 and Cage gorilla presses Danielson into the buckles. And a lot of people were very worried about that spot because he kind of looked like he landed head first. But again, you know, I went back, I watched it, and Danielson... Danielson was super, he protected himself. It was fine. Again, pro, professional wrestlers should make their moves look painful, right? It has to look, that, that's how you know you're dealing with pros. And I know we're all like very concerned about Brian Danielson's uh, health and his neck because it, you know, was such a substantial thing, but we can also chill out a little bit. This guy knows what he's doing. And I know, and I know, Brian Cage is not a favorite out there on the internet. So people are, you know, oh, he was sloppy, tossing. No, everything was fine. <laughs> everything was fine. Release German suplex by Cage. Uh, he starts to work the arm of uh, of Danielson as per ordered by MJF. Right? He wanted uh, Cage to break the arm, so he starts doing that. Danielson does the. The corner flip, right? But Cage catches him mid-flip. Lands a shoulder breaker, which was pretty dope. Big, strong man like him should be able to do shoulder breakers. Deadlift suplex on the first rope. Then a by Cage. And then the deadlifts German off the first rope. I don't know what people's problem is with Brian Cage other than attitude. Maybe they don't like him because he was pissy about AEW and oh, oh, we can't have wrestlers be unsatisfied because of their position and the, you know, and, and the Melissa Santos stuff and all of that. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like, I don't, you know, uh, the anti-vax stuff maybe, and that's legitimate as well, but I don't know what their problem is with his in-ring work. I really don't. I think he's, as far as a, as far as a big guy, he is spectacularly good. He is above average, above and beyond. He does shit that no one else does. He's a pro. When's the last time you've heard someone like get seriously injured? Wrestling Brian Cage. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the I don't know what the issue is. And Tony recognizes it because Tony's like, yeah, we're gonna put you in this angle here because you have to put this over. Because you're you're a monster. You're a huge guy. He played his role perfectly. Played the heel wonderfully. I honestly don't know what the problem is. I don't get it. Danielson lends a superplex. Does the round kicks. Kicks Cage's fucking head in as well. 
He lands a leg capture suplex on Cage as well. Cage fires uh, fires a power bomb. He he fires up a power bomb, goes for another one, but Danielson rolls him up for the win. Great stuff. Great. I love the finish. Thought it was great. Came out of nowhere. After the match, Cage takes. Uh, he goes after Danielson, lands the weapon X. MJF runs down, and he and Cage beat up on Danielson. MJF is directing traffic here, setting the chair. Uh, they, they they set the chair through Danielson's arm and ram him up against the post. And then they get back into the ring, beat him up some more, set him up to pilmanize the arm. But Kaneske Takeshita makes the save. As he said last week, he had he was um he was uh looking after, he was gonna have his back. So he runs, he runs in, chases the heels off. Well, he chases off MJF. Takeshita lands a, a jumping knee on Cage. After the match, Doc Samson and uh, checks on Danielson. Then we go to commercial. As we come back, Renee Paquette is in the trainer's room and she's asking Samson if Danielson can wrestle. Danielson starts screaming at uh, at Samson, telling him that you know he once wrestled 60 minutes with a separated shoulder, so he's going to be able to do this. And he's referencing a 2006 match against Colt Cabana on a Ring of Honor show. Best two out of three falls was the was the thing, and um, he, he had re he had hurt his his shoulder early on in the match, and he went the whole way through. He tells uh, MJF that he's coming after what he loves the most in the world, the AEW World Title. No doctor will tell him that he, will, no doctor will keep him from wrestling, and that is the most shoot comment I have ever heard from Brian Daniels. There's something very true in that. Um, a lot of people wondered why didn't the Blackpool Combat Club come out to save him? You know, we knew you, Wheeler was there. Why didn't he come out? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's because I'm, you know, I'm very because I watch a lot of, you know. New Japan and you know it it doesn't happen very often that you know your faction brothers come in to save you this could be like it's that maybe it's this kind of mentality but they're setting up the story that that Takeshita has Danielson's back which will probably lead us into Takeshita at some point getting his first big win on uh on TV right in AEW is what I'm trying to say uh, so that's clearly the story that they're going here. So if they want to skirt around the, the Blackpool Combat Club to tell this story, I'm okay with it. It doesn't, it, like, it doesn't not make sense to me. And let's not forget, let's not forget here that you can also connect dots if you want. Danielson was acting weird a few months ago while, when really William Regal was still around. And he and, and Utes were a little bit at odds, right? And there hasn't been really like a, has there been a... A, a a kumbaya moment back with the BCC since I don't really think so, right? Danielson still comes out of the uh, out of the uh, the the heel side now. It's no longer a tunnel, but the heel side of the uh, of the stage setup. He's been doing that for 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 forever. He's always kind of been like the odd man out a little bit. He doesn't, you know. These guys don't have to get along. They just want to wrestle each other. These are tough guys. I don't know. I don't think it's that big a deal. We get pre-tape interviews from Tony Storm and Ruby Soho, which leads us into Ruby Soho defeating Tony Storm. Big forearm exchange to start this one off. And a big boot by Tony Storm to Ruby's face. She also eats a thumb to the eye and a hip attack to the floor. Tony Storm launches uh, Soho into the barricade, snaps suplex by Storm, and she has a, 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 a heel segment, a heel heat segment as well. Locks in a full Nelson where she ragdolls Soho around. But Soho fights back with some Saito suplexes, back heel trip. Ruby Soho knees Tony Storm right in the mush. And that was well connected because Tony Storm begs off. Because she recently had her nose broken, right? And 
Maybe so. I was like, yeah, no, yeah. sorry. No. But it's a trap. And Tony Storm German suplexes her. Big hip attack in the corner. A DDT follows, but then Brit's music hits, which distracts Tony Storm. Enough for Ruby Soho to regain her senses, land the destination unknown, and win. Um, yeah, they're continuing this this idea of of back of Tony Storm being very backhanded. Well, Tony Storm and Soraya, right? Saying you know we're the you know we're the worldwide stars. We come we don't come from here. Like be alluding to the fact you know we're former Fed people, and we're coming into this promotion and you know with these with with these AEW chicks whatever you know what did they what have they done kind of thing you know but they you know implicitly they're you know they're using the fact that they were formerly WWE talent cuz and it's compounded here in the pre-tape you have Tony Storms telling Ruby Soho look you we ran in the same circles you know what what are you doing you know hanging out with these with these AEW originals and, I, uh, and here's, here's a plea. If there's anyone in AEW who watches this, here's a plea that I have, okay? As someone who, you know, who has to deal with the shit, please stop calling them AEW originals. Personally, I, I don't have, or homegrown talent, right? AEW homegrown. I don't have a problem with it personally. You know, I like this is nerd shit, right? But it is creating such a, a a visceral stupid reaction from from a lot of people is well i mean jamie hater's not homegrown which is true but i don't care because i know what you're trying to say i know what you're trying to do here and you can't explicitly say it's the former fed girls versus the aew originals but you can't say the fed girls you can't say the former E girls. You can't say that. And an E girl is something completely other, right? I mean, you shouldn't use that regardless. It's not not in this context anyway. But you know, like you know what I mean? So stop calling them like homegrown. Do you call them AEW originals? I think that's fine. I because I know what you're trying to do. I understand it. But there's a lot of people out there who don't. And they're like, well, Willow Nightingale's not an AEW original. I, my God. <laughs> I, right. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? They're, they're trying to create teams here. They're creating this divide. I get it. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So that's the idea. So that's the idea here. So Tony Storm is going to Ruby Soho. She's going like, but why? You should be with us. Like, you don't go here, kind of thing. You know, it's like, you should be with us, kind of thing. But Britt comes out. She was supposed to be in the match, but she was injured, apparently. Not injured enough to not show up, which is good. And I, and again, here's the thing. Here, I don't know if I'm giving whoever came up with this segment too much credit, but I know a lot of people got annoyed that it was a distraction finish, right? I'm like... Me too at first. Take a step back. You think about it in a minute. You're like, hey, here's the thing. You know, that the women who come from the outside, let's not say the WWE, from the outside, they get distracted when when a, a theme song plays because they come from outside where you're supposed to get distracted you know, like a fucking crow with a, you know, a, a piece of tin foil when there's something shiny. They get distracted and then they lose matches because they get distracted because someone's music hits. Is this, is this a, a, a is this commentary? Is this like a, a character flaw that because you come from the outside and you were trained to react to this, Britt Baker's like, okay, let's do it. And Britt Baker was like, I'm going to come out, hit my music. And that's going to let Ruby Soho get the roll-up win. The women from from not WWE are susceptible to being distracted because that's how that's how it works there. And again, maybe I'm giving a little too much credit, but I think it's funny when you look at it in that perspective. 
oh, we come from the other place. And then you bring in the other place's tropes and they get used against you. You know, it's like when Tony Schiavone is talking about the Jericho Appreciation Society and they cheat to win. And Shivani says, well, they're sports entertainers. That's what they do. They cheat to win. And like, look, the, it's not all that. It, these aren't thinly veiled shots, folks. MJF cuts a promo from somewhere backstage. And I'm still giving some time for this women thing. I, I like the idea that we're leaning into Tony Storm. Soraya being heels, Soraya being a heel, I think is a is a big advantage if she, you know for going down this route. Um, we'll see how this all develops. MJF cuts another promo from backstage. Is what I'm saying here. We have, he apologizes for the environment in which he's in right now. He's hiding because some people here get a little heated backstage. And I'm like, oh, what? I wonder what he's talking about. He also says he's not the first Jew to hide from a man with blue eyes. And I'm saying, <laughs> okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you said it. He calls out to Keshta to tell him to stay out of his business. He tells Danielson, he says, he tells Danielson, bad things are going to happen. Bad things happen in this company when MJF is crossed. Just ask that tall British guy who looks like Ellen DeGeneres on crack. <laughs> wow. He calls in a favor to a friend. He says, next week, we're going fi to finish this, Danielson. He's calling in a favor to a friend who likes to pick people apart limb from limb. Right? To continue the story with the arm, which is going to be the story leading into the, the pay-per-view. And that person is Timothy Thatcher. Noah's own Timothy. And honestly, this makes sense. It makes sense. Because that's what Thatcher is known for. He's known for being a catch as... Uh, 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 he's been, uh, being a catch wrestler he's going to work the limb this is like and 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 Thatcher is a you know he's a bit of a polarizing guy as far as his match work goes you know you, I, you know there's either how about this Timothy Thatcher is like cilantro you either love it or you hate it right you either love his matches or you can't stand them you think they're boring and and I have trouble finding people who have a middle ground I overall I enjoy Timothy Thatcher overall I understand why people at some point are like you know there's a certain type of Thatcher match that turns people off completely just like there's a certain type of Young Bucks match that turns people off completely but I think that this makes sense I think it's good and look here's the thing this is this is why this is how you see there's partnerships that exist there's you know when i see folks talking about you know wwe are going to work with new japan because shinsuke nakamura did the match with the great muda i'm like okay <laughs> first of all first of all shh, shh. second of all this is the kind of thing that you actually promote that you actually put on television that you actually define right and oh clearly you know there's a working relationship because Carl Anderson went there. They didn't even mention the match on TV. They said, they had AJ Styles said, while Carl is in Japan handling business, they didn't say he was on Wrestle Kingdom, the biggest New Japan show of the year. They didn't say that he was uh, defending a title. Nothing. And when he came back, they didn't say anything either. They didn't roll any highlights, so on and so forth. Look at what they did with Darby tonight, last night. They did Darby, they showed footage of him at the show, at the Noah show, the Great Muda show, they showed him and Sting in the ring and put that over. And now they're having Timothy Thatcher come in, big Noah in his, in his Noah presentation. Those are working relationships. That's how it's supposed to go. Not like, oh, well, you know, there's clearly a line because they alluded. To no, no, no. If there was a working relationship, trust me, they would be mentioning each other and talking about each other's shows. This wasn't the. This is how talent exchange works. It's just as simple as that. And there's no more forbidden door. There's no more forbidden door. I know the pay per view is going to continue to be called that way because of what it was. 
And, and dare we remind ourselves what the forbidden door was in the first place? And it all had to do with how the elite guys left New Japan and the former management that were there. It had created a, a, it had created a, a chill over relationships between the elite guys who were starting up AEW in New Japan. That's what the forbidden door was. When they started letting New Japan people back into to, to come work AEW and vice versa. That's how the forbidden door started to crack open. That's what it was. Then it became anything. And the moment that someone from another promotion showed up on another promotion, I was like, forbidden door. It's like, no, 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 no. That's actually how pro wrestling should be. There should be this constant flow of, 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 of talent exchange just to keep things interesting, just to make the business better. <coughs> Excuse me. New, like there's going to be that that's going to happen if you listen you know if you if you've listened to the podcast this week you already know about it but it's been uh, going up and down there's a big japanese show where you have new japan noah all japan tjpw dragon gate that are all going to be on the same show a big cross promotional show in japan is going to happen then in a, a week after we're having the the juniors festival <clears throat> which is being put together by Hiromu Takahashi, where all the promotions in Japan have been invited, plus CMLL. Like, this is what a healthy wrestling business looks like. It's not everyone in their fucking silos doing their own thing. So when I see talent being passed around like this, going, hey, you know, we're bringing in Tim Thatcher, we're going to say, this was negotiated. It's like, sure, we'll send you, we'll send Darby and Sting for Muna's last month. What are you going to do for me? If I need a guy, can you send me a guy? Tim Thatcher's perfect for this role. This is how a healthy wrestling business should look like. Welcome, new wrestling fans, to what a healthy wrestling business looks like, sounds like, feels like. This isn't forbidden door shit anymore. This should be, this is the norm. This is what it should be. And it's exciting. So I get excited. I'm like, ah, this is dope. This makes sense. This rules. And it works in the context because like I said, Timothy Thatcher is going to come in. He's going to work the arm. And that's the idea. And we get another clip for another match that's been announced on Rampage. Remember, we were talking about uh, Hangman versus uh, uh, Wheeler Yuta. Well, now we're getting Jamie Hayter versus Emi Sakura. And uh, there's your second reason to watch the show. There's two, there's two big-ass reasons to watch Rampage this week. This rules. This rules. Hayter and Emi, Japanese-strained. They've wrestled each other in the past numerous times. This is fun. This is fantastic. This is going to be another great showcase of great women's wrestling. Continuing to help expand the minds of North American wrestling fans as to what good women's wrestling should be. Good women's wrestling should be just like the dudes, essentially. This is what we're going to get. I'm excited for this. So I'm excited for Rampage this week. And then the main event, of course, the Jay Briscoe tribute match. Where his brother Mark Briscoe defeated Jay Lethal. Um, Y'all know my feelings about Jay Lethal. I couldn't, you know, that, but it, it, for the sake of for the sake of this situation here, I completely understand why he was in this position. I completely understand why he wanted this match, and uh, and everything made sense. Everything connected, and it was look. Someone on Twitter said, you know, and, and I mean, I'm going to parrot it, but. It is, as, as a memorial tribute match goes, you couldn't have much more picture perfect than this. And, you know, Jay has an extremely long history with uh, Mark, uh, with the Briscoes, right? So it made sense for him. So, you know, I can't I can can be down on that. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the celebration of a, of a guy who was taken way too soon. And a guy who, like, I am still stunned to this day despite that it's been like we're, we're, we're inching we're, we're, we're over a week at this point 
right? I'm still stunned at the amount of love that is just being genuinely expressed every day in regards to to to, to Jay Briscoe. And I think it is a shame that we've waited this long to understand it. I I I I I'm not gonna pretend to sit here and, and tell you, yeah, no, I I I completely was aware of the the significance that Jay Briscoe had in so many people's careers. There's some people that I can pinpoint. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, absolutely. There's a lot of people. Jay Lethal, you know. There's a lot of people though. I I just didn't I I I wasn't aware. And makes it all the more touching slash bittersweet, right? And I thought this was a perfectly worked match. You know, they do the the exchange to begin where it's like, you know, oh, we know each other so well. Mark Chops, Lethal, does some redneck kung fu. Standing neck breaker by Briscoe as well. Lethal dives and works over Briscoe. Briscoe fights back with an iconoclasm. Goes for an early J-driller. Lethal, of course, avoids it. Lands a kick and a gourd buster. And hits the lethal injection, but Briscoe rolls out of the ring. On the floor, we get uh, a blockbuster by Mark Briscoe, which was pretty cool, but not as cool as the froggy bow uh, off the top turnbuckle through a table on the floor. That ruled. Lethal tries to avoid a couple of J, dra- excuse me, a couple of J drillers, but he eats a lariat, and that last and that stuns him enough for. Mark to land a J-Driller. Of course, Jay Briscoe's finisher. And then after the match, uh, celebration, people are on their feet. This was, you know, the, uh, you know, I was a bit down on this crowd, but they were alive for this one. And uh, and after the match, we're celebrating and the entire locker room is out. We got the graphics. We had a beautiful package, video package early on that, you know, well, just brought me to tears. Images with the family and his girls. And I was like, all right, it is. I mean, it was, it, it, it's still a tough one to handle. Uh, and, you know, if you're making parallels with your own lives and the people that are important in your life and whether you, you know, are you, do you tell them enough and so on, it's okay. It's a, these, you know, part of grieving is making sure that you understand it's finding your own path in this so remember you know you are surrounded by people who love you and you should tell them tell them at every moment that you can that you love them because you really know when this is all going to be taken away from you picture perfect got nothing to say other than that it was a lovely touching way to end the show good on and look I don't think this is the occasion right now for me to go full rant on Warner Brothers Discovery, but good on Tony Khan for fighting for this and whoever accompanied him in this in an environment where he has he is going to be renegotiating his deals. This probably required a certain amount of fighting. He got some pushback. He probably worked hard for this. So good on him. And you know, for all of his you know, for all the, you know, the criticism that you can bring forth to, to Tony Khan and, you know, rightfully so in some occasions, um, there's one thing that we always have to keep in mind in regards to this guy is that he's, he's a wrestling fan. He's, that's always been his thing. He's a guy who was on the message boards to a degree, like I, you know, I, he's one of us. He's a guy who grew up with a version of wrestling that he felt was underrepresented and, you know, and he was a big ring, ring of honor guy. I am not surprised that he fought for this. And probably last week was too quick. But we were able to get it this week. The tribute show, as, as what I'm understanding, is out on YouTube right now. The Jay Lethal, uh, and the Jay Briscoe tribute show that they, uh, that they taped, from what I understand, is out there. So we can continue celebrated in the life and career of Jay Briscoe moving forward so a good heartwarming yet 
again, bittersweet end to Dynamite. And overall, okay episode. Fine. Like, nothing outrageously wrong with it, but missing that second gear, missing that third gear. And I'm saying this from a position of being completely spoiled as a pro wrestling fan. And I applaud this. There's nothing really to shit on. It's not, this was not a terrible two hours of wrestling. It's just like, oh, what's missing? What's missing from my dynamite this week? Light the fuse, as they say. Why didn't you... Is the, has the fuse been... Is the fuse damp? Has it, is it moist? And a lot of people love that word. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you all for, for, for joining me. If you haven't already, leave a like on the video. Subscribe if you want more of this. I'll be back on Tuesday for another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show proper. Otherwise, I'll be back next Thursday for the Dynamite Review. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Fantastic weekend whenever you are listening to this, and I will see you next time.